Euzubillahimineşşeytanirracim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain Allahümme allimna ma yenfa'una ve anfa'ana bima allemtena ve zidina ilmen nafi'a Esselamu Aleyküm ve Rahmetullahi ve Berekatuhu. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Elhamdülillah, we read through the first nine words of the book, the words by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi, Ustad Nursi. The next treatise in this book, the tenth word, is on resurrection, on bodily resurrection in the hereafter. It is actually, probably actually the first piece that Ustad Nursi wrote in the Risale-i Nur collection. It is the tenth word, but it is the first piece that he wrote. He seems to have had a master plan for the Risale-i Nur collection, and therefore, whenever he wrote something, he would designate. This belongs to the book, Sözler, the words, let's say the 25th word. Although maybe the 22nd and third, 23rd words may not have been written at that point, but he had a master plan he seems to have had a master plan in mind. The tenth word, again about resurrection, bodily resurrection, uh, is long. It is a masterpiece, uh, but it is long. It is probably longer than the first nine words put together. Therefore, instead of reading it in one series, we are going to uh, begin reading parts of, uh, uh, parts from other books in the Risale-i Nur collection, and then we will read the tenth word too, and we will alternate between them every week. This week, we are going to read the twentieth uh, flash from the book, The Flashes, or Lemalar, and then next week, inshallah, we will begin reading the tenth word, and the following week we will continue with the 20th flash. When the 20th flash finishes, we will move on to something else, but always keep alternating between the 10th word and something else, uh, inshallah. The 20th flash is about ikhlas, and this is a very important concept. It is a concept that perhaps we may say is at the foundation of Ustad Nursi's system system of um, action, system of practice, a system of actualizing what he teaches us in other parts of the Risale-i Nur, system of actualizing what he calls verified belief, iman tahkiki, by giving us all these uh, metaphors and representations, he teaches us uh, important secrets and realities about about faith, belief in God, belief in the in, in his books and angels and prophets and the hereafter, bodily resurrection as we mentioned, that good and bad are all coming from God and so on and so forth. But this verified faith needs to manifest 
itself in one's actions. Imam Ghazali makes a distinction in this regard between ilm, knowledge, and amal, action. And we will talk about that uh, in this treatise too. He says that ilm is asl, ilm is the foundation. It is the beginning and essential and foundation. A believer cannot be on the path to God without ilm, without knowledge. However, this foundation needs to manifest itself, has to have consequences. And he uses the metaphor of a tree. The, the roots, the stem, the branches, the, the tree itself is knowledge, is the asal, is the, is the foundation. But the tree is valued for its fruits. And the amal, actions or deeds, are the fruits of this tree of knowledge. Without the tree, one cannot have fruits. And therefore it is the foundation but without fruits the tree is meaningless it is just knowledge information and in the Quran God gives us us the example of a donkey that is loaded with knowledge with books but it is still a donkey it, the, the books that it carries does not change the way it acts so the knowledge that we are acquiring by reading the Risale Inur and of course all other uh, books uh, like the Risale Nur, all other books of Islam, all the knowledge that we, we acquire from our scholars and the uh, inheritance that we receive, the heritage and inheritance that we receive from our Prophet وسلم, and his inheritors, the scholars, this needs to manifest itself in our actions. And, and the, the knowledge that we are acquiring from the Risale Inur therefore needs to manifest itself in our actions too. And Ustad Nursi provides us a system, a program for actualizing this knowledge too. In this 20th flash on Ikhlas, sincerity in purpose or on, on sincerity, we are going to open up the meaning of this word in a little bit, is foundational there. It is one of the most important concepts that Ustad Nursi teaches his students and um, ingrains in his students' practice, way of life. It, it, we have some of his students are still alive and we can see in their example how devoted they are to their purpose, how sincere they are in actualizing the verified knowledge that they have acquired from their teacher Ustad, Ustad Nursi. Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 20. Lama Ikhlas Hakkında. The 20th flash on sincerity. Ikhlas is translated, usually translated as sincerity and that is fine but we need to understand its meaning a little bit better and sometimes I will prefer to use the word ikhlas instead of sincerity because I think, I believe, it is a word that should enter our vocabulary as believers, as Muslims, regardless of which language we, we use. It is in the Turkish language, it came to the Turkish language from Arabic. It is in the Persian language, it came to the Persian language from Arabic. It is in Urdu, it came from Arabic. It should come into English too. It should be a part of our vocabulary, our system of thinking, our cognitive processing. 
so it it refers to um, focusing one's aspirations and intentions on something and when used in context we are using it in to refer to focusing and concentrating our purposes aspirations intentions desires on God's pleasure God's contentment alone doing what we do for to please God and to please God alone and for nothing else and this sometimes may be tricky we may be thinking that we are doing this to please God but in fact there are other uh, desires aspirations concerns worries and so on and so forth that enter into the mix and they spoil our intentions so we want to have pure intentions we want to have a class 17. lemanın 17. notasının 7 meselesinden 5 noktadan ibaret olan ikinci meselesinin birinci noktası iken ehemmiyetine binaen 20. lema oldu. Before he begins the treatise, 20th flash, Üstad Nursi gives us this explanation about how this piece became the 20th flash. He says that it originally was the first of the five points that formed the second of the seven matters of the 17th flash. So there are 33 flashes in the book flashes and there is a 17th flash and the 17th flash is, is uh, divided into seven parts, seven matters. And then um, the second of these seven matters has five points and this was the first point in the in that uh, second of the seven matters however he says because of its importance it became the 20th flash so this is an explanation of why the 20th flash became the 20th flash but it also is an indication but it is also an indication that this is very important. It is an emphasis on the significance of what is to come. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the, in the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate, or the merciful, the mercy giver. Inna anzalna ilayka likitabe bilhaqqi fa'abudillaha mukhlisan lahuddin ala lillahi dinul khalas. So this is a verse from the uh, 39th chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Zumar, and it is from the second and third verses of this chapter. A translation might be, Verily we sent the book down to you in truth, so worship God in sincerity, for God's is sincerely practiced religion, or for to God belongs sincerely practiced religion. So the word Muhlisan and Al-Khalis, the words Mukhlisan and Al-Khalis are two words used in these two verses that are both coming from the same root as the word Ikhlas. Mukhlis is somebody who is in a state of Ikhlas and Khalis is, uh, is an adjective that refers to something that is uh, pure. It is closer to the root of the word the root is about purifying or pure right and and mukhlis then is somebody who practices the religion in the best possible way in the in in the way that is closest 
to God's intent in sending it down and therefore seeking what God seeks in one's actions. And the religion, God says, that he sent down is in the form that is closest to what he wants from us people as his slaves. Verily, we sent the book down to you in truth. So worship God in sincerity, mukhlisan, with ikhlas, for God's is sincerely practiced religion, or to God belongs sincerely practiced religion. So this verse commands us to have ikhlas in practicing our religion, and living is practicing our religion, so living in a state of ikhlas. And then Ustad Nursi also quotes a hadith, a prophetic tradition. And in some narrations, this is uh, mentioned as hadith, prophetic tradition. And in some narrations, it is uh, referred to, narrated from uh, Imam Zain al-Abidin. Uh, whether hadith or not, uh, Imam Ghazali narrates it as, as uh, hadith. Uh, Al-Ajluni narrates it as hadith. So whether it is, it is really a prophetic tradition, or not, it is a beautiful reminder about the importance of ikhlas and the order in which it, it, it comes. A translation of this might be, um, people perished except for those who know, except for the people of knowledge. And those people of knowledge perished except for, for those who put their knowledge into practice, into action. And those who put their knowledge into action also perished except for those who are sincere in their actions. And even those are in great danger. Evkemakal. Hadisi Şerifi ikisi de ihlas ne kadar İslamiyet'te mühim bir esas olduğunu gösteriyorlar. So this these verses and this prophetic tradition together show demonstrate how important a principle is ihlas sincerity in purpose in Islam. So if you go back to the uh, prophetic tradition it says people are perished i.e. they are doomed they, they are destined for hell except except for those who have knowledge because as we mentioned before in the uh, example that uh, imam ghazali gives us knowledge is like the tree without the tree you cannot have fruits knowledge is the foundation if we do not know our lord we cannot worship him if we do not know what our lord demands from us what pleases him we cannot please him so we need to have the knowledge and alhamdulillah, out of his mercy, he revealed himself to us and he also taught us through his prophets and books what pleases him, what leads us to his contentment. We know, we have that knowledge, but then we need to put that into action because knowledge by itself does not have fruits. We need to have fruits. However, as we put into it into action, are we sincere in our actions? Do we sincerely intend God's pleasure in our actions? Or is there something else that we intend? So, as the Prophet ﷺ taught us, Al-A'malu bin niyat actions are according to intentions. If 
let's say a person uh, devotes his entire life and works very seriously with great devotion and sincerity his entire life to develop solar cells that are so powerful and easy to produce and cheap and easy to, to transport and so on and so forth that they spread all over the world and help us reduce carbon emission and which is a great thing for humanity for the animals for plants so this person had great benefit to the world but as he was doing this he intended to make a lot of money he intended to make a lot of money by producing in inventing these solar cells and that was his intention and he made a lot of money he was given what he intended did he intend god's pleasure no therefore he does not earn god's pleasure with this God may be pleased what, with, with what he did, but he did not mean it. He did not ask for it. He did not demand it. He did not put, an, put in an application. If you do not put in an application, you will not be evaluated for the position. He did not put in an application. So we need to put in our applications. We need to have our intentions and our intentions need to be pure for God only. If you intend God's pleasure and the money and fame from people and so on and so forth, that is dangerous. That is dangerous because God is absolute and He is the source of all blessings. The money that we may be intending, the fame that we may be intending, He is the source of that too. And He does not like, He does not want partners in His dominion. So, if we want to intend God's pleasure, we need to intend God's pleasure alone. So we need to have ikhlas. However, even those who have ikhlas are in, in a state of danger because we have compulsive souls, we have the Satan, we have the dunya, and these are all pushing us in directions that are away from God's pleasure, that are, that are trying us, that are trying us, and that are pushing us to forget God, that are pushing us into heedlessness and forgetfulness, that are spoiling and, and uh, soiling, sullying our intentions. And therefore, ikhlas is something that, that we need to intend, we need to attain, and we also need to maintain. And Ustad Nursi is going to, inshallah, tell us how it is to be attained and maintained in this uh, treaties and the treaties that comes after this the 21st flash it is also about ikhlas and Ustad Nursi says that the 21st flash should be read by his students at least at the minimum every two weeks once every two weeks why again ikhlas is something to be attained and also maintained not only to be attained because even those who have attained it are in a state of great danger Bu ihlas meselesinin hadsiz nüktelerinden yalnız 5 noktayı muhtasaran beyan ederiz. After giving us this verse and the uh, prophetic tradition, he says, we are going to expose five points about the many subtle points of this question of ihlas. Before he moves on though, he gives us a reminder. He says, in Turkish of course first, Bu mübarek Isparta'nın medarı şükran bir hüsnü talihidir ki 
Ondaki ehli takva ve ehli tarikat ve ehli ilmin sair yerlere nispeten rekabet karayne ihtilafları görünmüyor. Gerçi lazım olan hakiki muhabbet ve ittifak yoksa da zararlı muhalefet ve rekabette başka yerlere nispeten yoktur. So in this reminder Üstad Nursi talks about Sparta. Sparta is a city in southwest Turkey. And it is the city to which Üstad Nursi was exiled after 1926. Uh, the village Barla where he stayed for about 10 years as a part of his exile is in Sparta. He says that it is a cause of gratitude to God for us that in this blessed Sparta, uh, we don't see much of a difference of opinion that leads to rivalries in comparison to other places. Among the people of taqwa, people of piety and, and, and Sufis and scholars, of the city. It is an auspicious sign, he says, that we don't see much rivalry and differences of opinion that lead to rivalries in the city among the pious people, among Sufis, among scholars, people who have a concern about religion. And he says, in comparison to other places, which means that there, there are these rivalries that are going on in many places and it is going on today in all around the world too now difference of opinion is not a bad thing it is actually a good thing the prophet told us that it is from god's mercy however difference of opinion that leads to rivalry and resentment and enmity and antagonism and animosity and and and, and fights we see around the world among Muslims even you know active fighting and killing and that we don't want. We want to be able to handle differences of opinion in a productive way. If we handle it in, in a productive way it is mercy. But if it leads to rivalries, if it leads to conflicts, if it leads to discord among Muslims that only benefits the, the, the party of Satan. People, the disbelievers, uh, who are serving, not all of them, but some of them, who are serving for Satan's purposes, discord among believers only have Satan and his people. This might be humans or jinn or whatever. So we don't want that kind of rivalry among Muslims. And Ustad Nursi is saying, Alhamdulillah, praise be to God, in Sparta, we don't see too much of it. We don't have the true love and concord that is necessary that is actually necessary among muslims among believers however although we don't see that necessary true love and concord we do not see harmful disagreements and harmful rivalry again in comparison to other places too so why is he saying this because the the first point out of the five points of, uh, and the others are going to be related too, out of the five points of this 20th flash is a response to an important and um, confounding, even fearsome, fearsome question that was asked to Ustad Nursi, or perhaps he might be asking uh, the question rhetorically. But it is a question that is relevant to believers, Muslim believers all around the world today.
What is the question? Birinci nokta. Mühim ve müdhiş bir sual. Neden ehli dünya, ehli gaflet, hatta ehli dalalet ve ehli nifak rekabetsiz ittifak ettikleri halde ehli hak ve ehli vifak olan ashab-ı diyanet ve ehli ilim ve ehli tarikat neden rekabet ihtilaf ediyorlar? İttifak ehli vifakın hakkı iken ve hilaf ehli nifakın lazımı iken neden bu hak oraya geçti ve şu haksızlık şuraya geldi? First point. An important and confounding question. Why is it that? The people of the world, the people of heedlessness, and even the people of misguidance and discord, and the word he uses for discord here is nifak, which may then be related to hypocrisy. Why these people ally with each other, work together without rivalry, while the people of truth and people of concord and the word he uses for concord that i translate as concord is we fuck the people of religion and scholars and sufis who are people of truth and concord why do they fall into disagreements that are fraught with rivalries and here there is an there is a an indication that this is a paradox because ehli vifak, people of concord. Now, the word vifak also comes from the same root as the word tevfik. And we use the word tevfik when what we intend and, and uh, do is in concord with, corresponds to what God wills. And that is the only way uh, that we achieve what we want. If there is not tevfik, if we, what we intend and work for is not in accordance, in correspondence, uh, in concord with God's will, something else will, will, will be the outcome. God's will will always prevail. So if there is that correspondence, then it is tevfik. And vifak comes from the same root. Uh, and I, I translate it as concord here. Uh, People of belief, people of faith, Muslims, take from a single source, and that is God. They all turn to God, and they all turn to his prophet, and they all turn to his book, and the message is clear. They are all taking from the same source, and therefore we expect that they should be working in harmony. Whereas, all of the rest of the people are coming from different sources some taking from atheism, some taking from communism, some taking from nationalism, some taking from whatever ideology or God with a small g that they might be following. They are taking from different sources. However, Ustad Nursi says, so they are people of nifak, discord, but despite this, they appear to be in a state of alliance that does not have rivalry in it. While then he asks, alliance, harmony, concord, uh, working together is the right of the people of concord and uh, disagreements, uh, discord is the right of the people of discord, Nifak. While this is the case, why did that right move to here 
and that wrong move there i.e why did the why did the uh, people of concord fall in a state of disagreement while it was a right to be in a state of agreement and why did the people of discord work why are they working in agreement while the intellect uh, entails that they should be in a state of discord and disagreement and so on and so forth why is that happening now the significance of this question is first we want agreement among believers and we want to understand why there is disagreement and inshallah once we understand the uh, the cause of this agreement, this, this agreement, maybe we can do something about it. This is one aspect of this question. But there is another aspect, and it is actually uh, perhaps equally, if not more important, uh, if not more important. Think that this was the time when colonialism and imperialism is at its height. The entire Muslim world is dominated by non-Muslims except for a few islands here and there and turkey is one of them but even in turkey people who have left religion are in power so muslims are humiliated all around the world muslims are subordinated dominated muslims are in a horrible terrible condition all around the world and it is expected or it is possible for some believers to think okay if we are on the right side if we are followers of god if we are the people of truth why are we so humiliated why are we so trodden over why is this happening they are the disbelievers why is hasha god protect us from thinking in this this way but one could Thing in this way why is God helping them and not helping us God is always helping the believers if they do what what their belief necessitates entails but one could ask this and this is this opens the gate to disbelief this opens the gate to suspecting the truth of religion it ruins believers faith believers belief it it turns them into disbelievers it takes away their hereafter it leads them to kufr to disbelief so therefore we need to understand the reality of the situation we need to understand why why this is happening and why it is in accordance in in line with what we believe that is god supports god helps the believers al jawab the answer Bu elim ve feci ve ehli hamiyeti ağlattıracak hadise-i müteşenin pek çok esbabından yedi sebebini beyan edeceğiz. Among the many, many causes of this painful and confounding situation that makes people who are devoted to religion, to the community of the Prophet sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem, to God, people who, who are devoted, who have in their hearts love for God and the Ummah and, and religion in Islam, this is a situation that makes them cry, that makes them weep. Their eyes fill with tears when they think of this situation, that there is this rivalry, um, a disagreement among believers. 
that the believers cannot handle their uh, differences of opinion in a productive way it is a painful question it is a disastrous situation so Ustad Nursi says we are going to mention or expose seven out of the many many causes of this situation Birincisi, the first Ehli hakkın ihtilafı hakikatsızlıktan gelmediği gibi ehli gafletin ittifakı dahi hakikatlarlıktan değildir. This is a very important statement. The way for those who have been listening to uh, the episodes of this series, we emphasized uh, the, the statement, reality is beautiful many times. We said that we should write it on a, you know, piece of paper and hang it on the wall we should internalize its meaning the this sentence this statement that we are going to translate inshallah now is a sentence like that as the disagreements among the people of truth is not coming from lack of truth lack of a correspondence between what they believe and reality that is out there as their disagreement is not coming from a lack of truth. So is the alliance and agreement among the people of heedlessness not coming from truthfulness. Uh, it, it's not coming from a correspondence between what they believe and reality that is out there. In other words, believers, people of truth, remain the people of truth. What they believe, that is Islam, and the teachings of Islam is true. It is the only set of system of knowledge, system of explanation of reality that corresponds to the reality with a capital R out there. And what the people of heedlessness believe remains wrong, remains not truthful, regardless of whether there is disagreement here and agreement there. The source of the agreement there and this agreement here is not truthfulness or the lack thereof. Belki ehli dünyanın ve ehli siyasetin ve ehli mektep gibi hayatı içtimaiyenin tabakatına dair birer muayyen vazife ile ve has bir hizmet ile meşgul taifelerin, cemaatlerin ve cemiyetlerin vazifeleri taayyun edip ayrılmış. To the contrary, the duties of the people of the world, people of politics, people of um, schooling or the, the academia, or similar classes of people in social life who take a specific responsibility and who deal with, who who occupy themselves with, whose occupation is about a specific service to the people. Their duties are specified, designated. So to understand this better, a doctor's job is to treat people. A teacher's job in an elementary school is to teach the elementary school students. A politician's job is to do politics. A businessman's job is to run a company. And their duties, their tasks are designated. 
limited. So we understand this. Ve o ve zaif mukabilindeki alacakları maişet noktasındaki maddi ücret ve hukku cah ve şan-ı şeref noktasında teveccühü nastan alacakları manevi ücret tayin etmiş, ayrılmış. And the material reward, the payment that they are going to receive from fulfilling their responsibilities, fulfilling their duties, uh, that they will receive the payment that they will receive in return for fulfilling their duties, as well as the uh, attention of people that they are going to receive in terms of people's approval or fame or honor, that is also designated, specified, and, and put aside. So what they are going to receive is known. It's a known quantity. It is designated and they know what they are going to receive in the end. A doctor treats his patients and then he receives his payment. If this is a very good doctor who really treats a certain condition very well, he may, he may earn fame, he may earn honor, people may approve him or her, people may turn to him and he may receive people's attention and become rich and so on and so forth, but this is designated. He treats his patients, he gets his reward. And the reward is specific, limited. There may be some rivalry within each of these fields. So there might be some rivalry among doctors. There might be some rivalry among politicians. There might be some rivalry among, let's say, academics. But if you think of them together, and here we are talking about the people of the world, people of heedlessness, people of disbelief, right? If you think of them all together, there is going to be cooperation between these different classes of people, different segments of society, because the material as well as uh, spiritual, let's call it, reward that they expect at, in, in return for fulfilling their duties is designated. A doctor does not have an eye on the fame of the, let's say, carpenter or artist. And the artist does not have an eye on the fame or material reward that the politician is expecting from, from doing what he is doing, unless he becomes a politician himself too. So there is this designation, there is this understanding that whatever I do in my specific field, there is a known quantity that I'm going to receive in terms of material reward and in terms of uh, people's attention, approval, and so on and so forth. Here, when Ustad Nursi mentions people's attention, he opens up a side note, a hashiye, and says, ihtar, warning. Teveccühü nas istenilmez, belki verilir. People's attention is not to be desired or or wanted or asked for. To the contrary, it may be given. So we don't ask for it, but it may be given. Verilse de onunla hoşlanılmaz. If it is given, one should not like it. One should not enjoy it. Hoşlansa ihlası kaybeder, riyaya girer. If one enjoys it, he will lose ikhlas, sincerity in purpose, and will fall into a state of ostentation. Şanı şeref arzusuyla teveccühü naz ise ücret ve mükafat değil, belki ihlassızlık yüzünden gelen bir itaab ve bir mücazattır. People's attention that is acquired, that is achieved 
while one has a desire for honor and fame, is not a reward, a payment or reward. To the contrary, it is a warning, admonishment, and, and perhaps even punishment that is the result of, that is the outcome of the lack of ikhlas. So this is something really, um, something that, that should really shake us. If I am receiving people's attention, and if I have this desire for honor and fame, approval and rec recognition among the people, while I receive people's attention, that is not a payment, a reward that is given to me, that is bestowed on me. To the contrary, it is actually an admonishment, a warning, a punishment that I should be afraid of that indicates lack of ikhlas in me. Now, we need to clarify here. We are not talking about people's attention in absolute terms. We are talking about people's attention that's framed with a desire for fame and honor. Evet, ameli salihin hayatı olan ikhlasın zararına teveccühü nas ve şanu şeref kabir kapısına kadar muvakkat olan bir lezzeti cüziyeye mukabil kabrin öbür tarafında azabı kabir gibi nahoş bir şekil aldığından teveccühü nası, nası arzu etmek değil belki ondan ürkmek ve kaçmak lazımdır. Yes, people's attention, honor and fame are to the detriment of ikhlas, sincerity in purpose, which is the life of righteous deeds. So we need righteous deeds in order to earn God's pleasure. And Ustad Nursi says that the life of righteous deeds is ikhlas. If ikhlas enters into the righteous deed, it is righteous. It, it, it has life. If you take ikhlas out of it, it dies. It loses its vitality. Ikhlas is the source of vitality for our deeds and people's attention, honor and fame are things that are to the detriment of ikhlas, that harm ikhlas. If this is happening, we receive a limited limited pleasure, limited delight from that, that attention and fame and honor, but that comes to the gate of our gate of the grave only it does not go beyond the gate of the grave i.e it lasts until we die and when we die there is no delight from that any longer and if one has this kind of attention and honor and fame in return for this limited transient temporary pleasure he will get on the other end on the other side of the uh, gate of the grave he will get May God protect us uh, from torment of grave. And, and and this fame, this honor, this this pleasure will turn into a displeasure. That is like the torment of the grave. Why? Because it killed our righteous acts. We needed those righteous acts in order to have a good life in the grave. In order to have God's pleasure and be protected from the torment of the grave. We needed those good acts, but our that honor and fame and attention and so on and so forth killed our righteous acts. We don't have them anymore. Therefore, it turned into displeasure on the other side of the grave. And therefore, we should not desire people's attention 
To the contrary, we should be scared of it. We should be fearful of it and we should run away from it. Şöhret pereslerin ve şan şeref peşinde koşanların kulakları çınlasın. May those who worship fame and who are running after honor hear this. May, may they be warned. So Üstad Nursi opens up this side note and then we are going back to the uh, text. In the text we said that uh, the people of the world, the material rewards and also what we can call the spiritual rewards in terms of people's attention, uh, fame, honor, approval and so on and so forth, this is designated. Müzaheme ve münakaşayı ve rekabeti intaj edecek derecede bir iştirak yok. Uh, they, their tasks are not mixed into each other to the extent that will require discord, rivalry, struggling against one another. They don't share in those rewards, in, in, in what they expect in return for, for fulfilling their responsibilities. They don't expect sharing that with the rest of the people. Their tasks are designated, their rewards are designated. There isn't much of an involvement mixture in these that would require discord. Onun için bunlar ne kadar fena bir meslekte de gitseler birbirleriyle ittifak edebilirler. Therefore, however evil a path they are following, they will still be able to preserve unity and agreement. Ama ehli din ve ashab-ı ilim ve erbab-ı tarikat ise bunların her birisinin vazifesi umuma baktığı gibi muaccel ücretleri de taayyun ve tahassüs etmediği ve her birinin makam içtimaide ve teveccühü nasta ve hüsnü kabuldeki hissesi tahassüs etmiyor. However, when we think about the people of religion, people of knowledge, people of tariqa, Sufis, their responsibilities, their duties are all directed to the, the generality, to all the people. Their audience is all the people, in a sense, the entire creation. Their immediate rewards have not been designated and specified, and their share from people's attention and from being approved in a beautiful way by the people has not been specified either. So there's a difference here between the people of the world and people of the hereafter. People of the hereafter, their audience is the entire humanity and their rewards have not been specified, both both in terms of people's attention and people's uh, approval. Bir makama çoklar namzed olur. Many can aspire to attain a single station. Maddi ve manevi her bir ücrete çok eller uzanabilir. Many hands may be extended to stretch out to each material or immaterial reward. O noktadan müzaheme ve rekabet tevellüt edip vifakı nifaka, ittifakı ihtilafa tebdil eder. Hence, because of this, because of this absence of designation of the rewards and aspirations and audience, conflict and rivalry arise Concord changes into discord and agreements transform into disputes. 
among the people of truth. So this is the problem. We diagnosed the problem. What is the solution? What is the cure? İşte bu müdhiş marazın merhemi ilacı ihlastır. Now the cure and remedy for this confounding fearsome disease is sincerity. İhlas is the solution. Yani hak perestliği nefis perestliğe tercih etmekle ve hakkın hatırı nefsin ve enaniyetin hatırına galip gelmekle in edre illa alallah sırrına mazhar olup nasdan gelen maddi ve manevi ücretten istigna etmekle ve ma ala rasuli illa albalagh sırrına mazhar olup hüsnü kabul ve hüsnü tesir ve teveccühü nası kazanmak noktalarının Cenab-ı Hakk'ın vazifesi ve ihsanı olduğunu ve kendi vazifesi olan tebliğde dahil olmadığını ve lazım da olmadığını ve onunla mükellef olmadığını bilmekle ihlasa muvaffak olur. So, what is the way to attain ihlas in this regard? It is this. To prefer the love of truth or worshipping truth, but here we are going to use the love of truth, or if we say worshipping truth, that means God is the ultimate truth, ultimate reality, al-haq. To prefer the love of truth over the love of the self. I know that something is true. I know that this is the right thing to do. But my compulsive soul pushes me to do something else. So in situations like this, we need to try to identify where is this desire coming from? Where is this conviction coming from? I am convinced that this is the true thing, the right thing to do, and this is a desire, and I identify that it is coming from compulsive soul. I need to give preference to the truth over the desires of my compulsive soul. If I want something for the sake of truth, and if I want something else for the sake of my nafs, my compulsive soul, or for my ego, I need to make sure that what I desire for the sake of truth wins over. And in this way, to be a mirror to the verse in Ajriya illa Allah, I expect my reward only from God. This is what Nuh salam says uh, in Surah Al-Hud. It is the 11th chapter and this is a tw- from the 29th verse. I expect my reward from God alone. My nafs, my ego wants things that are to be taken from the people, from the world, from worldly desires. They have this propensity, this inclination to the world. And in order to get something from them, I need to please them. But no, I don't want it. I want to please God alone. And what pleases God is truth. My ego and my compulsive soul may be inclined to the people and the world, but no, I am going to incline to God. I am going to seek God's pleasure alone. I am going to expect my reward from God alone. To be a mirror to this verse, to be a mirror to to the secret of this verse, to manifest this verse. And then to stay away from the material and spiritual rewards that may be coming from the people and in this way to be a mirror to again the verse وَمَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغِ what is incumbent on the messenger of God is only conveying right so this is again from the Quran 
from the fifth chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Ma'idah, and it is the 99th verse, وَمَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَى What is incumbent on the Messenger of God is nothing but to convey the message, to be a mirror to the secret of this verse, which means that I do my part, I do what God has ta taught me to do through his prophets, through the inheritors of his prophets, through maybe inspiration that comes from angels. I do my part in order to please God and I don't concern myself with the end results. I don't scheme in order to get to the end results in, way that, in ways that do not please God. I don't say ends justify the means. No. I focus on the means because I have no control over the end. That is God's part. I only have the means and therefore I do my part in relation to the means in the best possible way, in a way that will please God. What is incumbent on the messengers of God is nothing but to convey. And what I learned from this is that what is incumbent on me, on me is nothing but the means and aiming for God's pleasure in taking the means. Hüsnü kabul ve hüsnü tesir ve teveccühü nası kazanmak noktalarının Cenab-ı Hakk'ın vazifesi ihsanı olduğunu ve kendi vazifesi olan tebliğde dahil olmadığını ve lazımda olmadığını. So, people's approval, good approval, having a good influence on the people, having people's attention, earning all of these, attaining all of these, we understand, we need to understand, is God's part. It belongs to God. Approval, influence, people's attention, earning these, attaining these, that is in God's hands. That is not in our hands. That is not related, connected to material means, worldly means. If God wills, he will give it to us. If he does not will, regardless of what we do, whichever causes we bring together, he will not give them to us. It is his part, his duty, his responsibility, his task. And it is his blessing on us if he wants. What befalls us is to focus on our duty. And attaining these things like people's attention, influence, uh, approval, and so on and so forth is not a part of our duty. It is not involved in our duty. And it is not needed for us to fulfill our duties. We are not responsible for that. We are not held accountable for the influence, approval, attention. So all of these things that we listed, Ustad Nursi says, through these, one attains ikhlas. One succeeds in attaining ikhlas. Yoksa ikhlası kaçırır. Otherwise, this person is going to have ikhlas run away from him. He will lose ikhlas, but the more literal translation of this would be that ikhlas is going to run away from this person. Inshallah, we are going to stop here, but there is another side note that Ustad Nursi mentioned when he uh, said staying away from material and spiritual rewards that might be coming from people. He opened a side note there and, and, and talked about an important principle that God praised among uh, the companions of the Prophet Sahabelerin senayi Kur'aniyeye mazhar olan ithar hasletini kendine rehber etmek. So Ustad Nursi talks about having the principle of ithar, 
that was praised by God among the companions as a guide for oneself. So what is ithar? Ithar is to prefer others over oneself even when, even though one is in a state of need. Yani, hediye ve sadakanın kabulünde başkasını kendine tercih etmek. Ve hizmet-i diniyenin mukabilinde gelen menfaat-ı maddiyeyi istemeden ve kalben talep etmeden sırf bir ihsan-ı ilahi bilerek nasdan minnet almayarak ve hizmet-i diniyenin mukabilinde de almamaktır. That is, he explains, to prefer others over oneself in accepting gifts and charity. And then, if something comes to us, if a material reward comes to us in return for a service that we have uh, done for religion, not to desire it. So if it comes, we did a service in religion. So let's say a person who devoted himself to religion, he is not working, a student who, who devoted himself to knowledge, only studying, and therefore he does not have the means to earn his life, and people will come to him and give him charity and gifts and so on and so forth. So, he is fulfilling a religious service. If material rewards come to this person, he should not desire them, he should not want them, he should not wish for them, he should not ask for them, he should not demand them in his heart, they should not have a place in his heart. He should know it only and only a gift, a favor of God, a divine favor. And he should take it. If he takes it, he should take it without feeling indebted to the people. Because that indebtedness can then lead to things that may be against God's pleasure. And he should, this is also important, he should not consider them as a return, as a payment for his service in religion. He should not take them in return for his service in religion because his service is in religion has to be for God alone. Maybe he can't take it because he needs it. I need this and therefore I'm taking it. Not that I did this in religion and therefore I deserve this and I'm taking it. Çünkü hizmet-i diniyenin mukabilinde dünyada bir şey istenilmemeli ki ihlas kaçmasın. Because nothing should be desired from the world in return for service in religion so that ihlas does not run away. Çendan hakları var ki ümmet onların maişetlerini te temin etsin. True, they, they, they do have a right that the ummah, the community of Islam, believers, should provide their livelihood. This is incumbent on the rest of the community. Hem zekata da müstahaktırlar. They also have a right uh, to zekat. The obligatory alms that each and every Muslim ha uh, who has uh, wealth over a certain amount and a year has passed over it has to pay. Fakat bu istenilmez belki verilir. However, this is not wished for or asked for. To the contrary, it may be given to them without them asking for Verildiği vakitte hizmetimin ücretidir denilmez. When it is given, this person should not say that this is the payment in return for my service. Mümkün olduğu kadar kanaatkarane, başka ehil ve daha müstahak olanların nefsini kendi nefsine tercih etmek, 
وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَى أَنْفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ قَصَاسًا Sır namaz hariyetle bu müthiş tehlikeden kurtulup ikhlası kazanabilir. To the extent that possible, they should limit themselves to the minimum necessity and prefer others who are more deserving of this over his own self. And in this way, to be a mirror to the verse, what we just read from Surah Al-Hashr, the 59th chapter of the Quran, the 9th verse in this chapter, where God says, they prefer others to themselves, though power to be their lot. And this is about an incident uh, that happened among the companions of the Prophet He had guests and he asked the companions, uh, residents of Medina, uh, if one of them could host this guest. One of them said, okay, Ya Rasulullah, I can host him. He took the guest to his house and his wife pulled him to the side and said, look, we have food only enough for one person. So they talked about this and agreed that they would turn the light off. That, that probably was a you know, burning stick or candle, I don't know. They would turn it off when they sat at the table and they would, the two of them would pre pretend to be eating and but not eat so that this guest would eat. And they did that, the guest ate, they went to uh, bed hungry. They spent the night hungry and the next day when the, this companion went to the masjid to mosque, the Prophet ﷺ gave him the glad tidings of this verse that he was praised and the companions in general uh, of the Prophet ﷺ were praised in this verse. So Ustad Nursi is saying that we should also be a mirror to the meaning of this verse, to the secret of this verse, and in that way prefer others over ourselves, even if we are in a state of need. And in that way he is saying that one can save himself from this confounding, fearsome danger. And what is that danger? That is expecting material rewards in return for our service and attain ikhlas. Alhamdulillah, we read this first point. Inshallah, next week we will begin reading the 10th word and then we will alternate, as I uh, explained at the beginning, between the 10th word and other parts of uh, the Risale-i Nur, inshallah. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahu man alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.